let me search ya. Find out how hard I gotta work ya. He's yerping him with his one yippa. He's yerping him with his one yippa. believe what you're eating now put down that spoon i mean this isn't a way to live your life you gotta change that's better it's a good start now everybody let's get going the voice you're hearing belongs to richard simmons the eccentric and exuberant tv personality who brought the aerobics craze into america's living rooms for 40 years he was an omnipresent fitness guru known for his flamboyant fashions and emotional expressiveness. With Richard, you always got 100%. Until one day, he just vanished. Poof! <laughs> Richard was born Milton Eagle Simmons on July the 12th, 1948, making him a Cancer. What do we know about Cancerians? So Cancerians are generally regarded as deeply caring and nurturing. They feel things very intensely and they're fiercely protective over their loved ones. Home is their sanctuary and they often retreat when the harsh realities of the outside world chafe against their sensitive natures. They're capable of real empathy but they struggle to show vulnerability themselves. I'm identifying all over the place. I'm not a cancer. But, but we're both cancerizing. Cancer and like the crab, they hide their soft side beneath a tough exterior. Cancerians will often have a public persona, a mask they wear to face the world, and a private self that they reveal to very few. So just to kind of go off on our first little tangent there, we've just mentioned that both of us are Cancer rising. Mm -hmm. So your rising sign is how people perceive you or the mm -hmm. public face that you show consciously or unconsciously to the world. So our public face is that there is a public face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the mask in front of the mask. It's not, the, I think what people would think is that therefore means it's not felt or not real and that's just bullshit because it's absolutely part of who I am. Uh -huh. But that part of who I am is let's survive in public. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, let's, and, and I'll still tell you all my deepest, darkest thoughts, but mm -hmm. I will not show you that I'm fond of fucking bits. Yeah, because it's, it's scary to be vulnerable. And I think what it's saying there as well about you know, the idea that a Cancerian's home is very, very important to them because it is their sanctuary, it's their shell, mm -hmm. and that's where they go um, for, for comfort and for security. Um, it's a sacred space, and I think both of us can Feel really that. relate to that mm -hmm. quite heavily as well. It's reminding me of that Madonna song. You are my sanctuary. Remember that? No, I don't know Let's that. get unconscious, honey. Let's get unconscious on E. She kind of said honey, but it was kind of that period where you were to talk about E's. Oh, right, because it, it's, it's cool to hint about Let's drugs. Was it co-written by Bjork? Is that, or is that another one? Was that in the period of Madonna where she was like doing all that fucking spiritual it shit? Was get, it was kind of when she was in the, 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 the Kabbalah soup, when she was a mm. bit kind of all over the shop and then just became kind of... The Kabbalah monster. Yeah. <laughs> that she is. Oh, well, was. I think was. she's fucking dropped that like a hot cake. Well, the fuck knows what she's into these days. There'll be something. There'll be something. There'll Iron be something. Rand. There's <laughs> something weird going on. There's something. Why would and you say that she's I into don't Iron know, Rand? Because there's just something weird and absolutely money monster about her just now. Do you not think? She she looks bonkers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've quickly got used to it, but I'm used to that being now Madonna's face. 
Uh -huh. but And that's why it's so jarring when you see pictures of her from, you know, 10 years ago even or 20 years ago and you're just like, that does not look like the same person. No. It's odd. I think not even just... You can file bits of bone off and stuffy. I think yeah. she's even had... Because your bones do get narrowly the older you get. Your brows become more pronounced and stuff, right? Oh. So she's getting... Well, for men, but I don't, you know, hormonally, mm -hmm. um, for kind of for the testosterone thing. So I don't know if she and testosterone in women rises. I think though. Well, if she she's postmenopausal because she's like sixty or something. But she'll be getting papped fully every time. But I even think her bones have all changed. She looks like she's had everything all shaved and. You know. It looks, it's like an alien. Or is that just a big paddy? I think it's padded face. with filler. Right. I think her bones are still there, hiding under. <laughs> well, somewhere. it does turn into a. They do call it a mask. Eh? Mm -hmm. she, I wonder if she's Cancerian, right? She is. Oh, God, she's a Leo. She, Come on. She's she, got to oh be yeah, a Leo. I have a Scorpio somewhere. No, pardon me. Scorpio. I'm affronted. I still, there's got to be some dirty bitch sex thing happening. No, I'm sorry I, to I tell disavow you. her. Right, I'm um, guess what's gonna happen? We'll finish this little bit and either you or I Google as other ones talking, we'll figure we'll out do fucking Madonna's Madonna entire natal chart. Okay. <laughs> as a footnote. As a footnote. Right, so we've talked about Cancerian's qualities. Um so yeah, listen on and we'll see how true this is of Richard. Now Richard grew up in New Orleans. I always wonder how New Orleans. Because I heard a really a really good accent. Uh, on King of the Hill yesterday. Oh, I love King of the Hill. Did he just say Narlins? Narlins. Aye. It's just Narlins. Ken. Uh -huh. uh, this, it was the second son of former Methodist minister Leonard and Shirley, uh, and Shirley May, a travelling fan dancer. Now, aren't, we've came across a lot of people that have had really quite religious um, parents, eh? Yeah. Quite showy. I think we've came across that Methodist the, the, um, kind of thing in the back. I mean, you become a show person in that in that. Absolutely, area. in that tradition. And if he's with his uh, um, uh, a fan dancer for a, a wife, that makes kind of sense. A fan fan dancer just sounds like a euphemistic, naughty kind of Polari thing, dancer. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I mean, it's I. Uh, it's something that you could hear in what do you call it? Um, not, I was going to say round the twist. Round the um, horn. Round the horn. Mm -hmm. It would be something that they would. Uh, I see. I, 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 oh, what do you do? He's a fan dancer. I think I'll start putting that in my CV. You could <laughs> say that Le Richard had performance and pizzazz running through his veins. Nyarlands <laughs> is renowned for its cuisine. He referred to it as a place where lard was a food group and dessert was mandatory. In his autobiography, he claimed he came out of his mother's womb holding a fork. Young Richard, oh, there's some Freudian things in that. Mm -hmm. Young Richard found comfort in eating, becoming the largest child in his school. They call, they, didn't they used to call you Waddle? Well, they called me Penguin because penguin I waddled. Waddle. Because when you're overweight and your feet pronate and you really can't balance too well, you know, I never rode a bike. I never, you know, did the things that most kids do because being overweight really does limit you. By the age of 15, he tipped the scales at £200. I had to Google what £200 was in stone, and it's about 14 stone. <gasps> Fuck, I think I'm about that then. Well, <laughs> no, I can't that's what I was thinking. I was like, 14 stone isn't, like, big, big. Um, Aye, but I've been seven stone in my life, uh -huh. you know what I mean? So but that's... see him, he's five foot seven. Oh, that's tiny. He's a dinky one. So... That's me, that's my height. So No, you're not five seven. I think I'm five seven and a half, five eight. Yeah. Five, eight and three quarters. We'll say that. <laughs> um, so yeah, poor little Richard's not so little. Um, 
He was attracting attention, but not the positive kind that he craved. He was bullied mercilessly for his size at school. Fellow pupils followed him into the toilets and set the stall on fire by pouring lighter fluid under the door and then setting that on fire, um, which must have been really bloody traumatic for yeah. him. He had no friends and his self-esteem was at rock bottom. After graduating high school, he felt lost and alone. He was tempted to follow in his father's footsteps um, and pursue a religious calling. Now, although he grew up um, with the Methodist tradition, he converted to Catholicism and he attended a Catholic school. So he was kind of torn between the notion of joining the priesthood um, and seriously considered it, but ultimately he decided that he was going to become an art student. Now that's quite an interesting mm -hmm. kind of dichotomy, like isn't it? it? Well, I, I, I'm somewhere between both. I, mean, I was going to say. I, I thought that as well. I was definitely a bit... Um, I went through a long period where I, I think I'd do it, actually, if I, if I was a theist, uh -huh. right? If I believed in God... I think I would have had I would have had what they call a what's it not just a calling a vocation. Vocation. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean the the priests and nuns and stuff used to come to your school when they would talk about vocation quite a lot. A vocation. Yeah. I, I think they were looking to see if somebody had a wee twinge. The recruitment drive. It's like I, when the army comes to school and like gets all the fucking bampots who's not going to get uh -huh. any good grades and they go. On your army, be the best, mm -hmm. and it's and but, fall for it. Uh huh. But then, like when I was at school, because it was a Catholic school, yeah, you did get all these like missionaries and nuns and stuff. But was it? Were they really pretty much just trying to flush out the gays? Because it must have been a bit like, you know. It yeah, was like, like get the ones who are like the burgeoning gays. Get the gays. in the poofs. Get them like get them to take the holy order so that they're not going out in the world, you know, perpetuating their filth. But, and, or, and guilt trip them to death, make them feel that the world's going to reject them and but accept them in holy orders. Oh, there was some subterfuge happening oh, there. Oh, I, Um But yeah, I, I definitely think if it wasn't for the whole, like, having to totally believe in God sort of thing, mm -hmm. I would definitely join a religious order. Me too, but I'll tell you, I bet a lot of them don't. Maybe they don't. They Maybe they it, just want free fucking food and board. Well, they call it a cry. I mean, like a dark night of the soul or a crisis in faith and all that, right? Mm -hmm. And they have them often, like, and or some of them, some nuns and, and or high nuns and, and priests and saints and stuff say that they have it all their life. It's not mm -hmm. like the kind of. I think you get this. We we seem to have this idea. I mean, it's quite. It's not like. It's not under. Not not understandable. Does that make sense? <laughs> that you think that they're all holy, holy. Oh, they are all holy, 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 but it doesn't mean that they're continually in a state of absolute belief. Yeah, absolute you certainty, know? I suppose. So I suppose that isn't the prerequisite. You, and you could... Maybe they go to figure it out. Hello! That's what I was just going to say. Maybe it's actually what they're dedicated to is trying to figure it out and oh, let's join let's join i'm i'm for it i'm, for I'm it. sick of the sex anyway so i could pack that in quite easily oh i think you'd probably still get your hole in there a bit more than more, a fuck, aye, more than a day now mm -hmm. yep so yeah he decided against the priesthood i don't know why but he was clearly attracted to the life of being an art student his weight continued to creep up though, and at his heaviest, he was 268 pounds or 19 stone, which is a, it's a lot for someone of his height. Aye, if he was 10 stone, he'd be chubby, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I'm not chubby. 
at five seven. He would yeah, no, that's probably well, average. I normal. think you can be something like because as I say, it's nearly my height, right? Mm-hmm. I think you could the healthy is somewhere between like eight and eleven stone. I yeah. think they say something like that mm-hmm. for that height. Mm-hmm. So he's double that. Yeah. And um, his size led to his first encounter with theme, however, when he appeared as one of the rickshaw characters in Fellini's Satyricon in 1968, which I will need to go back oh, and watch too. and see if I can glimpse it. I think I've only seen that maybe once or twice anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait there. What's that? Is that one of the... I'm trying to remember what happens in that. Is that one of the... Am I mixing it? No, I'm mixing up with 101... Arabian Nights or whatever that one was called oh. or is that the same one? I can't remember but Richard was tired of being seen as a figure of fun quite right, he understood the sad truth that to be celebrated and successful he had to look a certain way he had to be thin a friend of mine in class her mother was on a diet so she'd bring me diet pills I tried laxatives you know, 30 a day anything to make me lose weight and when that wasn't going fast enough I learned how to throw up. And I began throwing up three to four times a day. When that wasn't working, I began starving. An interview with Oprah Winfrey explained that he started viewing food as the enemy, picturing spaghetti as worms to make it seem repulsive to him. He forced himself to subsist on lettuce and water for two and a half months and it almost cost him his life. Poor boy. He lost half of his body weight and ended up in hospital. So it became that that thing that I call fat thin. Fat thin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a shame, but I felt that myself. You're like, I've lost all this fucking weight and I'm still 10 stained. Like, he, he became 10 stained. Uh-huh. So he still was doing that. Fuck, you know, when folk lose, like, lost two stone, and you're like, aye, but you were fucking 25 stone when you started. Yeah, like, if... if... And they start wearing a basque. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's understandable. And I'll tell you, that's a Buddhisty thing as well. They, they do weird things like... Food and all that. Yeah, you know, it's, there's it's, some weird religious thing going. We've noticed that in other people when mm-hmm. it comes to this foodie, um, that foodie weird moment in your childhood. Uh-huh. Where you, I mean, all those nuns and, and saints and holy hermits that start having odd relationships with foodie. Eh? This is a theme. It's a theme. I would say it's also a theme in our podcast as well because mm-hmm. you know we we've spoken about other hermits mm-hmm. who developed eating disorders or anorexia or something because they started out as being a certain size and realised that that wasn't going to be conducive to fame and success and adoration. But I'm wondering, mm-hmm. just to go on a little on a, other mini tangent here, so he went on a lettuce and water diet mm-hmm. for two and a half months, or sorry, two and a half months, um, <laughs> but it's, it's quite drastic. Have you ever gone on an absolute bonkers drastic crash diet where yeah. you're only eating a certain thing not just one i've not been one of the kind of there was all those ones like boil do you know the boiled egg and the there's a boiled egg one i think there was oh there's imagine a, your thoughts but that. there was, was not a Mar- i mean there was a mars bar one i think and no I mean, yeah i mean i'm guessing you just did three mars bars a day or something i mean it, that's still you're not getting enough calories right so you're gonna you could eat anything as long as your calorie as long as you uh-huh. keep the calories under what you're BMI says they should be sustained where you are. Yeah. But I've, I've definitely done odd ones. I've done zero carb and all that. And I did, I think, lost like fucking half, is it like half a stone a week or something you lose? I mean, Jeez, oh. well, yeah, I mean, 
especially if you're a wee bit chunky at the beginning, you lose a lot quick. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And start fainting, and start not being able to shit, and, and being crab it, being crab it all the time, and having your a rotten breath, mm-hmm. yeah. and destroying your heart, and getting osteoporosis. Yeah, so it's really, really good for you. Uh-huh. I mean, and you look <laughs> you look wonderful as you are dying. Yeah, I um, when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with weird crash diets because. This was, I was growing up in the era of um, the Heat magazine, Circle of Shame, and where they would publish like best and worst celeb bodies every mm-hmm. week, and then guess what diet they're doing now. And I would just lap up and I'd be like, right, well, I'm going to do I'm that diet it. now. So I did the baby food diet did because you? I think that was Mark Jacobs. No, it wasn't. It was Hedy Slimane. How do you say his name? Yeah, I that, that That cunt. Because he was skinny. Awful. Um, And he said that he just... He ate... makes clothes. He's not a designer. Just have to fit that in there. Okay, okay. <laughs> Hater. Um, yeah, so he said that he just ate baby food and that's how he lost weight. So I was like, wicked. So I just went to like Asda. Did they just... I think they meant purees. I they, don't think they meant... They meant a hat. No, it was actual... lost in translation. Uh, yeah, it didn't mean go and get a jarry fucking like... But that's, that's what I did. Well, I, I went think a lot of people did. And I did that, but I couldn't handle eating the, like, you know, the pureed, I don't know, actual meal meals. Aye. It was the, just the pudding stuff. So essentially I was having, like, baby apple puree and um, porridge, like, things like that. Um, that didn't last very long because it was honking. Revolting. And then I read a thing about, like, how Amy Winehouse was a size zero because all she ate was Haribo and drank Red Bull. And uh, heroin. Well, I'd see, I didn't actually <laughs> have access to the heroines and the cocaines and stuff, so I just, yeah, so I got Haribo Star Mix and Diet Red Bull, and that just made me absolutely manic and fucking <gasps> bonkers and exhausted. And I then, wouldn't like to have cleaned your cage because that must have been some amount of fucking gelatine oh, and caffeine. Glippy. Yeah, it was. I couldn't sustain that. For Dirty nappy. Dirty nappy. And then, uh, you know, that film The Machinist came mm-hmm. out, and it said that in order to lose all that weight, so really, my um, body role models at the time was a junkie, mm-hmm. Amy Winehouse, and uh, a man who was like absolutely emaciated to the point of spain a skeleton was, to look scary for yeah, a film but was that not because he was like an Auschwitz survivor or something was it not some was that a no different that's film a I'm different thing right. you're thinking of the pianist Aye, um, the machinist right. now he's just a skinny scary fucker um so he lost all that weight by i think he just ate a can of tuna and an apple oh that rings a, a bell mm-hmm. so i thought wicked i'll do that then um, I went to uni and I was still obsessed with this size zero journey and um, I read that David Bowie lost loads of weight because he was on the peppers and milk diet and the cocaine again alas no, I would no. have probably sustained it if I had the cocaine but the, the, the peppers and milk Aye. was not and what's the, that, that famous documentary is just sitting in the back of a car drinking a pint of milk eh? yeah mm-hmm. I mean the thing is oh no I would be sick after my second pint, I think. And the thing is, like, if you're really serious about losing weight, why the fuck you be drinking milk? Because milk's got loads of fat in it. Like, just, why don't you just have, like, peppers and... Why don't you just be, like, Richard Simmons, who's essentially doing the tortoise diet... Oh, tell me. ...by just having lettuce oh, and water? Well, I did. As a tortoise. You reminded me. I did do... But where I got the idea of the zero carb... Mm-hmm. What, and zero fruit, right? Which is just carbs and fruit because That's it's sugary, uh, yeah. So it's sh- complex sugars and stuff. So, and, and, but also zero dairy, right? So, guess who did that? Who, who my th- inspiration was? Who was your th- Another th- junkie. 
Um, court, bang to find Courtney Love got really skinny after being a, a, a beautiful, sexy, plumptious thing. Right, And yeah. I, of course it was possibly. I mean, allegedly all these things. Oh, Jesus, are you got to say that? I don't or know. Or she I, spoke about being on heroin, eh? I think that Courtney Love's probably, like, known for having done a little bit of drugs, drugs in, her, in her time. Well, but she, I think it was in an ID interview or something, and they mentioned that, and I went, oh, as I was staying in the lesbian commune in Cumbernauld, dancing in the living room trying to lose weight by doing um, performative dance interpretive dance and and Rosemary Connolly routines uh, I realised that and so started just and that's when I first did the zero carbs and Mm -hmm. zero dairy and zero fruit which means you're shitting like a big solid brick every Mm -hmm. a pellet every fucking like Two weeks. Well, that's kind of what I'm like anyway. I know. And you fib- you, you fibred it up the wazoo and nothing happens. Yeah, but that's that's what we were talking about in the previous little mini episode. How it's all effect. psychological. Yeah. And it's like, what are you not releasing? Yeah. I'm not releasing my own feces. <laughs> um, but yeah, I read a similar thing with Courtney Love where she claimed that she'd lost all that weight because she just gave up cheese. So that's all the dairy, and I'm just like, yeah, but you also were probably having lots of speed and drugs and stuff, which helps. Or maybe one of those swings where she became healthy, Courtney, and had, like, somebody doing fucking three-hour sessions and exercise Uh Uh-huh, and she would have had, like, a nutritionist, a a private chef. It's easy somebody, if you had five times a day somebody coming through giving you a saucer of fucking food. Yeah. You could do it. And everybody's all on the same diet, all your pals, you get all your fucking, all your... um, like what do you make your your little your clique clique mm-hmm. on the same diet and you all date together and all are stinking and shouting at each other. Hey, tell you what this the celebs are doing now and they've actually given up on the notion of like doing diets. Diets are so Perfect. like two thousand. Um it's the Azempic. I've heard of that, what's that? So Azempic is a I think it's a drug for oh, diabetes. That. Yeah, that's have it. you seen Sharon Osborne? she looks shocking omg well you know she had a gastric band fitted because yeah. she used to be a big girl um and then she was like a slim girl but mm-hmm. now she's she done she done the azempic right and her face it, it's because the whole thing with the azempic is like because you know everyone was having that buccal fat oh, removal yeah, yeah. because they don't want to have a plump face the azempic like really thins your face down, but I've it was also very like aging. Before. I've looked like very that. Very aging. Yeah, you get. I remember looking at my arse and, and my looking at your arse. Aye, like in the mirror and oh. going, and a friend of mine said, I said, what a shock I got, and they went, did it look like two envelopes? And I said, yeah, look like two envelopes. Everything that just everything that should be plumptious about one's body just. It was like somebody had sucked all the fucking air out of me. Hey, and it was nothing to do with age. This was in my twenties. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it was like you just looked deflated. Yeah, because you've literally been living off your body fat, every mm-hmm. every single bit of it, and you I must have been a bit as and and, and muscle. You've, I suppose you're digesting muscle and body fat. Yeah, yeah. So it's, what's the Ozempic? So Ozempic. Um, I'll need to check with, I always joke with Kate that she needs to send me some Azempic over because she's in LA oh, so now. it's a drug, but what does it block or do? It's, it's a drug, I think it's supposed to be for diabetes. Um, so maybe, I don't, I don't know the science behind it, well, in the but next, it makes you lose weight. In the weight. next wee bit, I'll Google again, because I will tell you, Madonna's Aquarius rising. Is she? Yeah. 
She is uh-huh. a, a luscious Leo with Aquarius rising. Well, the Aquarius rising would make sense the spiritual because it's, shit. it's the spiritual shit. It's the rebellious streak. It's the kind of tra- being, wanting to be an iconoclast. Ah, because I didn't that's know that what Aquarians it. are. Well, that makes sense. That's they match the beat of their own drum and they try and be unconventional. A bit just are unconventionally. They are, yeah, and they're 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 drawn to. Kind are they of... quite opinionated with it? Yes. Right, that's my mum. She is. My mum's an Aquarius, a shit, but it's just purely her own fucking thing. It's like she's her own religion. Yeah, yeah, and won't be won't be tied down. Won't go along with no. other people's shit. Um. Yeah. Oh, I can see why that makes sense for the Donna. So, um, so yeah, we've we've gone a wee bit of a diet tangent. I just want to put a little disclaimer in that we are in no way advocating um, extreme said. diets, buccal fat removal, or <laughs> azempic. Um, but just want to acknowledge that we've all been on a journey. Yeah. We've all been on a journey. Oh God, I'm just. I, I what I don't like about it is. I notice what would go quite quickly is my my oomph. So I just would mm-hmm. lose my my like sexual appetite as well. Yeah, you're a husk. You're just a husk. You just and it's, when it starts becoming sore when you're sitting down, you're fucked. Aye, because I saw this funny um video on Instagram of this guy and he was talking about how this lassie's ass looked like a pair of tweezers trying to pick up something off the floor. Because oh, <laughs> she had such a, a, a miserly arse. Oh, that's a shame, eh? uh-huh. that's, that's real. But I remember when mm-hmm. I lost a lot of weight, It was mm-hmm. I was going through a manic episode, and I don't know how I did it, I think it was adrenaline, it was mm-hmm. sheer adrenaline, because I was eating fucking loads, da, da, da. but I lost loads of weight. In one way, I loved it, because I just thought, yes, you are like, Mm-hmm. emaciated right now you're living mm-hmm. the dream blah 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 um unhealthy things from my past coming yeah. again but whatever i'm not apologizing for it i'm owning my truth yes um but yeah see lying in bed or sitting on a couch painful because yeah. the bones of my ass and now i've got a massive ass and she doesn't i do i think it's absolutely humongous and i've been trying to come to terms with it i've been trying to own you it know, every single fucker wants one of them i know but that's the thing that annoys me because i don't identify with my arse. as a person with a big bum that's like dysmorphic for me Aye. but i can't do anything about it apart from a zempic probably <laughs> so i'm trying to come Embrace to terms it. with it like my friend meg was saying she was over the other night and she was saying you know, you just have to look at people who've got like a similar body shape to you and think of, you know, try and identify yourself more with them. She was like, you know, you're, you're Latina, essentially, mm-hmm. you're Hispanic. Yeah. So look at like Salma Hayek, like she's stunning. She's got Aye. a big bum and all that stuff. She was like, just own it. And I'm like, I just mm-hmm. kind of want to be like, that so that nobody different. can see me if I, I'm side on. Well, I think... Uh... Uh, last night I was I watched a film with Alexander Skarsgård in it and I was like what oh, one? that new one Joe no what's it called um, Infinity Pool oh I've seen that uh-huh. yeah yeah I yeah. mean it was alright it's alright it's kind of trying to do about three different things eh is that the one that um, Cronenberg's son directed aye, aye. yeah mm-hmm. I mean I like it when it's really odd and I bite really odd I don't mean the, the um, trippy bits I like when kind of quite surreal things happen she's she the, the main female character somebody goth mia goth yeah i didn't know I, I she's everywhere right. just she now. big 
She's fucking she, brilliant, yeah. isn't it? She's, actually, she is actually a really good actress. I liked it because she was just fucking nuts. Unhinged. Aye, and I liked there was a bit she it's very um, Pasolini and who were Fellini esque, right? Uh-huh. She's on the front of a car. Um, he's he's walking in front of her and she's in the front of a car lying on a flag. Yeah, um, and with she's a shouting wind, at him, uh-huh, shouting at with him a gun. Uh-huh. I like scenes like that. I don't need or want to need to relate to it in my life. I want something that 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 kind of take that is just like that little bit of surrealism, right? Not the stuff with all the flashing colours and all that. Not the 60s thing that became fashionable after Mandy. So you know. how how does that relate to having a big arse? Um, Skarsgård, um, what's his name? Skarsgård. Uh-huh. Because I was watching him and I thought, oh my God, I mean, I don't even know if he's a good or bad actor because I just look at his beauty. You yeah, know what I is, mean? Yeah, he is gorgeous, but not... He's not gorgeous in a way that is like unattainable or out of this world. He's like, you could bump into him in the street. I mean, mm. not around here, because everyone around here is ugly as fuck. <laughs> but imagine if you lived somewhere like LA or London well, or something. Well, he's just would be common or guard. No, but, mm, no, no he'd, he'd still he's, turn your head. He's got, but and he's also got charisma, right? And yeah, there's enough, he's real. He's a there's real enough person. wrong with his face. He's not perfect. To keep, to be super super attract that's exactly. what attracts me yeah, right yeah 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 so it's like he's got a really quite an odd profile he's got quite a his lower jaw's quite wee his top half of his mouth is bigger and it's really got it's not an overbite like that could it's been corrected and it's perfect uh-huh. so it's not sticky or anything no like he that. don't look like a simpson right? character but his profile his profile does look like a simpson yeah, character yeah because he's his upper lip kind of overhangs Aye, a right bit. and that's exactly what i thought last night i thought you look like you've been drawn by the simpsons it's funny you said uh-huh. that right and but beautiful ah he's but, like a hot simpsons so character. i'm looking at him and i'm going i'm in different ages so he's my age right mm-hmm. and i'm like oh for fuck's sake i hate when you do that and you think this is what i should look like then right yeah if you were a hollywood megastar whose job it money. is to be and as six foot nine or something uh-huh. from fucking Sweden. nordic roots right yeah. i'm a wee fucking um i mean my a troglodyte you know what i mean my arms <laughs> go down to my fucking knees uh <laughs> I'm like I'm made for field working for working down a pit like a pit pony, like everybody in my fucking um, past generations for probably millennia. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a f- I'm not Thor. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not from you know being blown in on a cloud for fucking um, um, what's its name Sweden. Mm-hmm. Ken and I thought right, calm that down. So I'm going to have to look at some <laughs> look at people five who are foot of your seven time. and a half mm-hmm. <laughs> in central Scotland. Um, 47 year olds and see what full body and yeah. that's yeah. what I'm doing yeah. next <laughs> right so are, are, is it you or me oh um, oh it's me yeah so Richard newly skinny oh Zem picked out of his tits he'd been on the tortoise diet and now he's looking like a little emaciated tortoise now is the time for him to spread his lack of bingo wings <laughs> and moved to LA and set out on the path that would soon lead to international stardom. First of all he needed a job, he needed to pay his rent so he gets a job as a maitre day, what do you say that? Maitre day? He's a maitre day at a Hollywood restaurant and that put him face to face with many of the biggest celebrities of the day. I'm just going to stop you for one second, so would that mean master of? Maitre de? Yeah. Master of something. Right, so it's, it's, matre, it would be maître de, whatever, um, restaurant. He's the boss of the waiters. Aye, but, aye, but it's, it's, we've, it's, if we, um, made it smaller, what's the fucking phrase in my brain? Have we diminished that phrase from an actual original French, maître de something? 
Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't... bet. Anyway, well, sorry. Google it. Google it at home. If it's if it's upsetting and right, annoying and... you as much as it is, Alex, then fucking Google it. <laughs> right. We're not yet to educate you. Right. Definitely not. Definitely not. So this job put him face to face with many of the biggest celebrities of the day. So Lucille Ball and Orson Welles would go to this restaurant. And Richard's unique customer service approach soon got him noticed. He would greet guests with a loud scream and he would berate anyone who dared to order unhealthy options from the menu and he would insist that they change their choice and go for a low-calorie option. Apparently also I was watching this documentary about him and um, his like former colleagues were saying that if any male guest showed up to the restaurant wearing a tie, he would go right up to them and snip it off. It, it makes me want to hate him. I mean, it's it could be fascinating or obnoxious. My, uh, if anybody gets between me and... I, I'm one of those people... I can... If I go to a menu, I know... I, I don't... I, 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 I have been known to look at menus before I even fucking get there. Yeah. So I know what I want. See one of the cunts that sits and fucking takes 45 minutes, I'm like, pick it. I'm not that choosy, actually. I pick the first thing that I can be bothered with. You uh, know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not waiting for my, my taste buds to come alive and my, my world to end because I'm like, oh, that, oh, a bit of meat, a bit of this, a bit of something sweet. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. quite easy to please. But when I fucking decide, I decide. So if some cunt went, eh, no, you're not having that, you're having this, I'd say, get my fucking face. Yeah. It's interesting because the way that he's described in his job, in his, like, pleb job at a restaurant is like how Pete Burns was described when his pleb job when he worked at the record shop mm-hmm. um, in, I think it was so in, in was Liverpool. Was it kind of like, don't buy that, buy that? Uh-huh. He would come up, uh, if folk would come up to the counter with a record that he thought was shit, he would properly have a go at them. I kind of don't mind that. And he would wear black contact lenses so mm-hmm. that he looked really unapproachable. For some reason, I don't mind somebody correcting taste and art. <laughs> that but it's totally going against like know, you can imagine you that their employers that. would be fucking livid with them because I mean probably the high calorie items on the menu will be the expensive, be the expensive one. ones mm-hmm. and if there's somebody there who's actually like losing the restaurant money because mm-hmm. he's forcing everyone to have salad and a glass of tap water mm-hmm. they'd be livid with him mm-hmm. but anyway I think he seemed to carry it off with enough charisma and pizzazz and genuine well-meaning like i don't think he was nasty or bitchy mm-hmm. um it it got him a lot of positive attention and i think people would probably go to the restaurant because they wanted to see him right he was becoming a character he was he was becoming a character um but unlike the thousands of small town boys and girls who dreamed of becoming models and movie stars while waiting tables richard had another goal in mind he knew how it felt to be an outsider looking in on the world of the beautiful people. He wanted to open a gym where people like him could feel comfortable and empowered to get in shape and change their lives. In 1974, after managing to save up 25 grand, that's a lot of money now and then, mm-hmm. he set up an exercise exercise studio called the Anatomy Asylum. Great name! Kind of fucked though. <laughs> Which eventually became Slimmons. I think Slimmons is perfect. Brilliant. I'm liking him now. Mm-hmm. The once obese and lonely boy from Louisiana was about to become the figurehead of the fitness world. But hey, I'll get this space. 
I'll put a hardwood floor in. I'll get great music. And people who are overweight and out of shape, I'll tell my story to them. And I'll help them make a plan to be better, a better person and a healthier person by helping them know what I learned the hard way. What set Slimmons apart from all the other Beverly Hills gyms was Richard's star quality. He showed up each day in a different flamboyant costume. His feather boas, rhinestoned tank tops and trademark crazy hair made him look more like Elton John than an exercise instructor. But the over-the-top outfits matched his larger-than-life personality. His exuberance and enthusiasm were infectious. He was there to entertain while he trained. Customers turned up in their droves to see the show, but they kept returning because Richard was obviously genuinely invested in their progress. Attendees recalled how Richard would become so emotional that he cried until snot dripped from his nose. He would embrace his clients, probably wiping his snot on them, <laughs> and make everyone feel welcome, whether they were young or old, fit or fat. The workouts were accessible and enjoyable. And Richard was having the most fun of all. He had found his calling. Oh, I do like the sound of that. Although, why is he crying? He's crying because he's so emotionally overwhelmed by, I guess, the thing about Slimmons is that before he opened Slimmons, like all the kind of gyms in LA were geared towards people who were already fit. Right. And it was the whole like hookup culture of gyms. You'd ah. go there to, to be seen. And he wanted people who were like him, fat, lonely, miserable, they'd maybe tried loads of diets, um, and they just and they maybe were scared to go to gyms I, like that. Right. So he was just overwhelmed by it's empathy. Really and emotionally mm -hmm. and empathetically. Yeah. I, I mean, I suppose there were always gyms a bit. There were, I suppose it maybe came out of boxing and all that kind of shit. Eh? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. And then there's, there's, there's those, there would have been slimming groups and stuff for women chucking about um, those skittly things with and wearing knickerbockers and stuff. So there's a history of it, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. right back to the gymnasium in, in Greece and Rome. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I suppose he, he, he spun it in his own way and it sounds like it worked. Yeah. So within 10 years, he had opened 72 Slimmons studios in 13 cities and went on to become a household name thanks to his many TV appearances on talk shows, radio shows, with his book deals and even a recurring role as himself in popular American soap General Hospital. That's great when you get to be you and a thing, eh? Mm -hmm. You know you've made it. Aye, I love when you, you see like Andy Warhol every now and again, just yeah. Andy Warholing it. His 1988 home fitness VHS, Sweating to the Oldies, was the best-selling exercise video of all time, grossing over $20 million. $200 million. Sorry, $200 million. The money was rolling. Fucking hell, that's a lot. His star continued to ascend throughout the 1990s and into the 2000s with mo uh, movie voiceover work, special guest roles in television series and featuring in advertising campaigns. Introducing Richard Simmons Salad Spray. Only one calorie per spray. Your salads will, will never be the same! But as often happens with megastars, there were detractors who, irritated by Simmons' ubiquity in the media, began to lampoon his outlandish appearance and camp persona. Beneath the sassy self-confidence, Richard was a shy, sensitive soul who struggled with being made fun of. Perhaps it triggered memories of being the bullied, lonely high schooler 
who just wanted acceptance and love. In 2004, he was involved in an altercation at Phoenix Sky Harbor International Airport where he slapped a man <laughs> who made a joke referring to his sweating to the oldies videos. Oh, I love watching men I love when celebrities people. slap people. See Bjork's um, thing me with the paparazzi. See um, Naomi Campbell when she mm -hmm. threw her phone at her assistant. Mm -hmm. And Brittany when, when she went on to with attack. the umbrella. When celebrities attack is one of my favorite things ever. Did you see the Jamiroquai one? Oh, I don't know. It was to do, uh, hey, get off my fucking car. Oh, wait, there, he was northern there. Get off my car, right? Uh -huh. Obviously, we, we prick in a, in, in a fancy car. I think he's got loads of them, right? Aye. And it was folk taking photos. And he picked on the smallest photographer, right? Yeah. And the fucking photographer battered his content. Amazing. I mean, broken tooth blood everywhere type stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. When celebrities attack, the Bjork one's good. And you know, she talks, she spoke about it a lot. The woman was kind of like, do you not feel like you're neglecting your kid with this kind of meteoric rise and you're really going for the kid thing? Yeah, she and was goading her. So by the second or third time, she was like, Dinny be fucking gone for my kid, get that mm -hmm. out of my face. And you understand, I mean, there's violence is never an excuse. But then occasionally, if somebody was coming for somebody I love or a child, yeah. I would snap and go total fucking mental. If somebody knows what your Achilles heel is and they're deliberately poking it while they're also filming you mm -hmm. because they know that they're going to capture this thing that's going to make them a lot of money, mm -hmm. fucking give them a show. I know, I would. Um, he was also insecure about the hair loss caused by his battle with anorexia, undergoing several, several extremely painful yet unsuccessful hair transplants. For someone with such a high public profile and instantly recognisable image, there must be an internalised pressure to maintain the look and personality that the world expected of him. He brought his A-game to every single TV appearance, every single exercise class, every encounter with members of the public. Richard never disappointed. There was even a time when he stopped to chat to fans whose Hollywood tour bus pulled up outside his house and didn't stop even when a passing car ran over his foot. And you can actually see that clip. Oh. You can see that clip. He's standing outside the bus talking to these fans and then a car goes past that actually runs over his foot and he's like, he squeals and stuff like that and they're all like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you, like the blood's dripping down your foot. He's like, yeah, the blood's dripping down my foot, but it's fine, it's fine, no, I'll stay in chat. No, I don't need an ambulance, I I'm like all right. That. I'll tell you, I've got, I have some celebrity friends <gasps> uh, that... Do you? Yeah, you all fucking right. know a few. But um, one that, I mean, not a few that have said, and would, would I'll tell you, would make as much time as possible for like an inverted commas a fan, right? right? Where I don't think I would, I mean, I couldn't, I can't be fucked with anybody anyway, right? Okay. But, um, that would break their legs to, and I think it's, it's a combination of just being nice people, but mm -hmm. also, these fuck are your fucking bread and butter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I quite, I really, I, I'm not like that, but I really admire people that really, really love and spend time with their fans, mm -hmm. you know? Because it's so, I think it comes from a place of humanity. I've been, it's like, well, I'm exactly the same as you. It's kind of, mm -hmm. it's people usually just, demon, they usually just are taking time to demonstrate that they're just the same as them. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, th I mean, I think people, and people go off on that. It's nice when, when th there can be a shared humanity between somebody that you look up to. Mm. I think, and it's, yeah, always keep in touch with, the, with your fan base. With the little people. <laughs> yeah. 
And so, like we're saying, like most celebrities or quite a lot of celebrities are reluctant to stop and pose for selfies or sign autographs. Um, but Richard constantly went above and beyond to make each interaction special. He endeavoured to reply to every bit of fan mail, pouring his heart and soul into the connections that he had made with his devoted following. In each individual who reached out for advice and support, having struggled with their weight and fitness, he recognised his former troubled self and felt compelled to spread his message of self-compassion and motivation. One woman, a former beauty pageant queen, reached out to Richard for support because she was struggling to regain her pre-baby body. She sent him an email and she wasn't really expecting to hear anything back, but Richard called her for an hour every week. She felt that he was so invested in her health and happiness and to him, her successes and setbacks were as meaningful as his own. And you do see some celebrities that take I mean, you can't obviously do it with everybody, although he gave it a go, mm -hmm. that do take a few people under their wing and totally see that they've been through something similar yeah. and, and go out their way to do everything in their power to support and help. I love that. Of course mm -hmm. you would do that, eh? Mm -hmm. You know, if you could, any chance to help. I always say that um, to my therapist as well. There's now some, there's a person sitting in our therapy sessions because she's learning, right? Mm -hmm. And she's just kind of doing the next thing and I'm, I'm just the same. Explain things a wee bit more. Oh, you mean like there's a student Aye. therapist there? Mm -hmm. Interesting, okay. Right? And she asked if it was all right, and I thought, an audience! Yeah. <laughs> of, course, of course it's okay. No, I just think any. Another you know, potential fan. I know. Any, <laughs> any, anything. There's, there's a, a thing within some people. I've got it. So mm -hmm. anything you could do, if it helps, you know what I it's mean. It's like donating your your body to medical science. Isn't some it? people would do that. I don't, even th I don't think I could do that. But if I can fucking help somebody mm -hmm. to the best of my abilities, you know yeah. what I mean. If that's even in a, a very private situation like that, I'm like, yep, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. You know what it's I mean. For the greater good, isn't so, it? So, to show how wonderful I'm in my therapy sessions. Yeah, so I'm that, being the best so, therapy patient. So that when she, when I, when I leave, they go, he's great. Eh? Oh, he's brilliant. <laughs> he's my favourite client. Um, yeah. Oh God, everybody wants to be the fave. Mm -hmm. um, so each week he made hundreds of phone calls to his fans, lovely, to the extent that those around him began to worry that he was at high risk of burning out. Sounds like it. Mm -hmm. he, um, how long can a person sustain such constant boundless empathy before it starts to take a toll? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not a Buddha, as our phrase, our yeah, hashtag not a Buddha. He's not a Buddha, neither are we, but... <laughs> he gave it a go. He gave it a go, and honestly, like... That's just what happens, mm -hmm. isn't it? Like you do burn out, you do get that thing called compassion fatigue. That apparently, from a Buddhist perspective, that means you're not doing it right. And I can mm -hmm. they mean. I mean, because it's we've been we've spoke about before. You've got to get your own um, life jacket on before you help anybody yeah. else. Yeah. It sounds like to me that he's getting something out of this as I an think it's thing. A, I think it's a symbiotic relationship, yeah. though, and maybe and if it is that, it's doing sustaining it wrong. him in yeah. a way. But it's also finally will destroy it him. finally will destroy him because just in terms of time and energy, yeah. you can't sustain that. And this and he's doing that not as a pro, not as a Buddha. Mm -hmm. So he's doing that as an everyday person where he's feeling that he has got to he can help these people, right? Yeah. And that he can cure and solve and, and make things better. That's a pressure. Yeah. That even a even a professional um, medic mm -hmm. shouldn't have. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Now, you mm -hmm. can have care and empathy, but it's only to do your job. There has you know? to be boundaries, I Aye. think. And that's, I think it sounds like 
he struggled with putting boundaries on this side of things mm-hmm. um, for so, so long until it reached a point where he had to put really massive boundaries in place yeah. between himself and the world. It reminds me of Jung's famous quote, the stronger the light, the bigger the shadow. Yeah. And because he was such a dazzling light and because he just wanted to bring light into so many people's lives and bring positivity and compassion and everything like that, there's got to be yeah. a counter to that. There's got to be something... The public persona, the thing that's getting focused on, that's letting the light bounce off it, uh-huh. right? What the fuck's happening behind there? And why does the thing... that Why does that um, reflective surface need to be there to not let the light penetrate, right? Yes. So it's... Yeah, I mean, what I'm seeing in my, my, uh, my face... My, my face, <laughs> in my head, is when... A spotlight's on a star on a stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that I mean, it's the best title I've ever heard for a showbiz bi- autobiography ever. The stronger the light, the bigger the shadow, isn't yeah. it? It could. I, I mean, surely some. We'll have to Google that as well. Surely somebody's called her fucking. Their, I mean, me, um, Ethel Merman. Not yeah. that one, but the stronger the voice. <laughs> um, the the you, louder the voice. And the louder the voice. The the louder the louder the voice. The the the, the louder the silence. So I don't know. The louder the voice. The the. The bigger the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually true. But you know, it does it make sense. You just and these people don't often let many people behind that. Um, and that's what we're surface. talking about that cancerian thing as well, of like, mm. you know, you're in your comfort zone when you're caring for others, but you've got a real resistance to allowing people to care for you mm. and to show people your well, he showed people his vulnerabilities because he would talk about it a lot and talk about his past and things like that, but he would never let anybody close enough to but actually that, help him. Aye, but that's also speaking about then, right? Uh-huh. So that's the past. That's the then and there. Yeah. He's that's not speaking not about the here and now. This is, and this is what's happening in my psyche right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, you can, we can all do that. It's at a safe neglect. distance aye. when it's the past, isn't it? But that, it's really making a lot of sense with the Cancerian thing. Aye. I'm really getting that. I can see... And what Cancerians don't want you to do is with your fork, like him coming out the womb, get behind that, that um, crab shell and poke a bit. Prod it. They don't want no crab fucking salad happening in there. So it's like the... the crab paste. It's quite easily destroyed. Yeah. You know what I mean? The thing yeah. behind it. So almost more than any other sign or any other person you will ever meet, uh, they will not admit to the thing behind it. Mm-hmm. Because it's too painful. It is too painful and they'd rather deflect. It's like when you have a conversation with someone and... They go, but how are you? And mm. then I'm like, no, We're how are about you? Your crab meat uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Don't be poking <laughs> your fork in my shell. <laughs> You've got one day, right? I'm, I'm, I'm horse meat, I suppose. So I mean, with the Sagittarian thing. So uh-huh. what, what are you poking about there? Have come in, right, I've got enough ass to share. Yeah. I suppose. You've got enough cake. Yeah. <laughs> So, for someone who dedicated almost every waking moment to bringing joy and positivity to strangers, Simmons struggled with personal relationships. He kept his sexuality a closely guarded secret, seeming to remain a lifelong bachelor. Hello. Uh, that was just cold, That's eh? code for gay. Aye. He lived alone in his Beverly Hills mansion, aside from his beloved Dalmatian dogs and his Mexican housekeeper, Teresa Raveles. Um, now, that sounds wonderful. 
doesn't it? Does that sound like your kind of life? Yeah, I mean, replace Dalmatians with whippets mm-hmm. and Teresa Mexican Ramirez. housekeeper with a um, half Spanish bestie. Ah, there you go. Can, oh, you can cook. He claimed to have very few friends, saying that he didn't think he has anything to offer any other individual. That's sad. How sad is that? And yeah. yet, so giving in every other way. That's what he said. He said in an interview, um, I feel like I've got a lot to offer a lot of people, but nothing to offer one person. Now, I often say, people tell you, if you listen, people tell you exactly what they're thinking or feeling. or, or you know. Oh, completely. So, this is the shadow that we're yeah. talking about. Eh? Mm-hmm. And, and his awareness that... Now, there, of course is and was things behind behind that but in within the shell but he did not feel like they were there mm-hmm. Ken he did not he had denied them so much that um he didn't want anybody in to see them and he couldn't even see it any longer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then that means he had kind of no self-worth eh? well some people are far more comfortable with giving rather than receiving love <laughs> bum love bum love i know um so, yeah, maybe he felt unworthy. Yeah, maybe he felt unworthy or that he could only earn love by giving everything he had to others. There doesn't seem to be a lot of self-compassion there, no. even though he was encouraging others constantly to, to develop compassion for themselves. It does seem like he struggles to feel like he has any inherent value other than what how he can serve people. But he's debased himself for God. He's beginning to sound like a, a, a religious... Which is totally why it's interesting how thing. he was, you know, he was toying with the idea of, you know, surrendering himself and de- dedicating his life it's to um, God. Because that, that's that Mother Teresa syndrome. It's Christ- and a Freudian perspective, it's called Christian masochism. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's, 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 it's funny how big it is. And and how look these like Mother Teresa right? Let's just use her as an example. And let's just imagine that she was the most, and who knows right? I hear, you hear bad things, but the most giving, self-debasing, lying on the floor, you know, Christ's um, or God's um, slave, and the lowest of the low, and mm-hmm. you know all that kind of stuff. And then they're the big, but they're the biggest names in the world, like saints, right? Yeah. I mean, they they're superstars. Uh-huh. Right, they're 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 these these kind of things that we're talking about in, in relation to modern people, but they're superstars. Everybody, there's fucking images of them all around the world, right? Yeah. But they are these debased, debasing, self denying, self denying, self gutting uh-huh. uh, people. So there is that that um, really odd flip, yeah. Yeah, that that odd um, dualism. It's interesting that you you talk about saints, um, because there was someone i think it was richard simmons as rep who was talking about um you know why are people always intruding on on richard's privacy and they should just leave him alone and he described him as a saint mm-hmm. he was like the man is a saint his like his life's work is like that of a saint well, so go. he deserves to be treated as as a saint mm-hmm. and left alone but people don't leave the saints alone no people are constantly bothering saints well the one when we've looked at and we will be doing um, episodes in the future about this kind of phenomena the, the self immuring like the um, the monks aye, monks and nuns that, that lock themselves in a wee room attached to a chapel Everybody, oh the anchorites, aye, the anchorites. everyone was fucking everybody hassling everybody still them. comes and harasses them I huh. think it was the saint on the holy isle down south not mm. the one up in Arran holy island holy isle I can't remember oh like Lindisfarne Lindisfarne um, he, I think I'm sure he they would 
keep, I mean, they, they kind of go these places to get away from folk. You but know they can't I mean? get fucking peace. No, and then you've got folk coming around wee boats, shouting up at Wendy's, wanting help and advice, you know. Uh-huh. So it is a funny phenomena. What's, yeah. what's, I wonder, maybe these type of people are the modern version of that. Eh? I think so. Superstars, I mean, some of them. Uh-huh, some of them, some of them, maybe. Because you look at folk like um, Judy Garland and all that, I mean, I think she was quite all-giving to fans, wasn't she? I don't know that much about it. I have to consult um, the you're, artist you're and performer F.K. Alexander. Oh, yeah, that would be a good start. Yeah, because that's her specialist subject. But I think uh, she would she would be, she'd hang out drinking where her um, fans quite mm. often. That was, her, that was her thing. Anyway, it's a very different thing, but I just wondered what the modern phenomena is. I suppose there's still modern saints in the old-fashioned sense, but I just mean within our culture what a saint would be. Yeah, and it is that sense of someone who, who gives everything that they have... Um, and they don't really leave a lot for themselves. And then mm. they do invariably end up burning out or dying young or having a mental breakdown. Basically, they're the victim of, of their own giving. Aye. And I think when it's outside a monastic environment, and however mm. even that would translate now, mm-hmm. uh, you've not got any training for to deal with these things. You know no. what I mean? So this is, this is folk that have no... Um, reserves or no no support system around of it it does sound like i mean it sounds like the way that we've turned um we've tried to i mean it's not it's not like news but the way that we've turned celebrities into saints like that you know uh-huh. that can do miracles and that, are, that have this enormous effect on our life and how within the last 10 or 20 years although people have been saying it since the beginning i suppose that there's not a support network around them it's your alexander mcqueen's and yeah. you know where mm. it's slightly get destroyed based on their sensitivity and their willingness to give everything uh-huh. and they do not get uh, the support there's not uh institutional support around them to sustain them eh? yeah it's just that they're just getting essentially exploited but then you've got your elton, give well, it's your elton john as soon as he smells somebody having a nervous breakdown gives them a wee phone call oh, that's really? like a phone call for the pope aye. i didn't know that okay he's always like come and stay with me and david um well i'm publicly having a mental breakdown me too so us. elton P and Peg. P and Peg, take us under your fucking bingo wings. It's like um, having a charm bracelet. Everybody in the world has a charm bracelet. And the very special people in your life become a charm on that bracelet. And I have thousands of charms from people all around the world who get in touch with me every week or every month to give me their inventory to tell me how they're doing. Being the nation's clown and counsellor, a telling quote from Simmons in a 2012 interview for Men's Health reveals how he viewed himself in relation to others. Now, I want you to do the voice. Right, where was he from again? Um, Narlins. Oh, fuck. Well, just do your usual Jewish housewife voice. (laughs) It always comes back to that. eh? When the king gets depressed, he doesn't call for his wife or the cook. Oh, my God, this is breaking my heart already. He doesn't call for his wife or the cook. He turns to the little man with the pointed hat and says to the court jester, make me laugh, and I'm the court jester. I thought um, I thought he was going to say, I was seeing him identifying with the king at the beginning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I thought, he's kind of, they're on their own, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the court jester. And I suppose the court jester's not even allowed to have the... The, the holiness, the, the, the right to be depressed. No, and it's interesting, like, the, I, the history of court jesters and 
how they were granted an esteemed position mm -hmm. within the court but on the conditions that they completely debased and degraded themselves and made themselves into a figure of fun mm -hmm. in order to gain favour. Mm -hmm. It relates back to him cutting off ties and being the kind of nut job in the restaurant, even he's the court mm -hmm. jester in that. He's the court jester in that. And it's the a fact he was in, Yeah, and the fact that he was in the freak show in the Fellini film, you know, he, he totally does still identify as... I'm the freaky weirdo and maybe he's, I mean definitely, you don't have to be a bloody armchair psychologist, but the way that he presented himself, his appearance mm -hmm. as well, it was that he knows he's never going to be a six foot tall hunk of a man, yeah. he's this weird scrawny little guy with a kind of jufro, um, dancing about in hot pants yeah. and a bedazzled vest top. It's that John Waters thing when John Waters, oh no it's not, it's from the... Um, the, the um, party monsters that the yeah you know if you've got a hump throw glitter on it yeah type mm -hmm. thing. don't don't try and um hide your hump under a hide bushel. your hump under a bushel <laughs> just chuck some glitter on it and go out dancing yeah. and that's literally what he what did, he did. <laughs> in 2014 richard simmons mysteriously and abruptly disappeared from public life poof poof on february the 15th of that year he didn't show up to the exercise class that he had taught at Slimmons every week for the past 40 God. years. So he'd been doing this class, rain or shine, every single week for 40 years since the gym opened. And then one day he just didn't show up. Um, there was a sign on the door that read, Richard has been undergoing physical therapy for a per persistent knee problem and has been instructed to stay off his feet. Richard will not be teaching for the remainder of March unless his condition improves. But March went by, and then April, and then May, and then the rest of the year without any updates from Richard. Confusion and speculation was rife. This was just so unlike him to abandon his loyal clientele. Eventually, in November of 2016, the gym closed for good. God, that is like a religious calling, eh? But it's an obsession as well, which, mm -hmm. I mean, which they are. Now, Richard was in his late 60s, and it would be entirely conceivable that there would come a point where he would no longer be able to cope with the physical demands of high-energy aerobics. I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> but then I, d I have seen, um, what's his name? Merce Cunningham, the new, you know, yeah, the dancer. Yeah, the dancer. I love watching somebody's body in relation to their physical profession mm -hmm. alter. You know what I mean? He would get up at the bar and do what he could do with an arthritic body. Mm -hmm. And that interests me. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, ju it's just like, um, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a oddly human kind of thing to it, but it's also funny. And I think it's it's just like what we were saying in our earlier mini episode about you can push on and push on, but there does come a point where the body simply says no. No. Especially, um, so and he couldn't keep up with these high energy aerobics. It would be understandable in his 60s that he couldn't, especially as he had indeed struggled with a knee problem for most of his life. A TMZ documentary alleges that Richard has a birth defect. He was born without all of his bones in his foot and that this caused him pain as a child, which led to his comfort eating. The comfort eating led to his obesity, which put a great deal of strain on his knees. 
According to the documentary, he underwent a right knee replacement, but the operation was so painful and the recovery so arduous that it put him off ever getting his knee fixed. His left knee. His left knee fixed, sorry. One theory for his disappearance is that he didn't want the world to see him as ageing and fragile. I do understand that. He wanted to be remembered for the vibrant, energetic and inspirational character that he strove to project for so long. So he, he wanted to be alone. He wanted to be alone. He was like, remember me, ah, but forget my fate. Well, I remember, I was watching, I went daft and watched a few films last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, went crazy. Woo! Really <laughs> let my hair down. Did you take down. your bra off? Went nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have I, a wee bit of Bailey's? I know, I drank a whole bottle in two days, but I felt sick for the whole fucking two, two days. I wonder if we can do a Bailey's diet. You prob- I mean, I couldn't because I fucking drink it like milkshake and, uh, you know, it's just, I, I, I crave it. It's the, oh, this is the only time of the year that I get it mm-hmm. because I just want, it's like my my, my um, central Scotland, northwestern European body goes, fill me up with cream. <laughs> That's what it, she said. Uh-huh. <laughs> this fucking time of the year. I know, like, I've been gagging to be filled up with cream for some time. <laughs> I'm like, more, more. Um, but... So I went, no, no bellies, that's done. I've, I've done, I've sickened myself yet. But um, I was watching a film called Jules about an alien. And, I mean, it was quite, it was just family. Was that what it's that funny. picture came from aye, that aye. you uploaded to Instagram? Uh-huh. That looked really fucking weird. It was really funny. It's quite fun. Well, no, it's no funny funny as in, like, interesting or actually laugh out loud funny. It's one of those things that's just entertaining in the background and just tickles you. You know what I mean? Aye. Like, it's not something you would ever watch again. Um, but just uh, it's a good way of spending an hour and twenty minutes or whatever just to, just to give yourself a wee tickle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the characters, oh god, it's fucking what's her name? There's there's really famous actors, the three of them, right? And what's her name? She's in Woody Allen films. Diane Lane. Diane, it's her. Eh, I mm-hmm. think it's her that's in it. And she go, she's fucking wonderful in it, right? But she's talking talking about like. Oh, I used to go to the city, and she's talking to this alien who says not one word through it, right? I used to go to the city and be like, you know, be this big kind of thing, and this, but the city can eat you up and all this kind of stuff. So she's just been, she's really using him as a kind of therapy thing, yeah, and or a confessional, and say, and she says, there's this really tender moment, and a total cliche and everything, but she just says, you know, there's just this one moment where um, you're beautiful, and it's gone. You know, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, and it's like, yeah, you, you, if you've tied all your fucking horses, all your balloons and ribbons, mm-hmm. uh, what you're expected to do as a star or whatever, or even fucking just a normal pe- a woman more than anything, we now see it happening to quite um, within um, masculinist culture. Mm-hmm. You know, this absolute fucking crazy boom in the last five to ten years within male culture whatever that is but it's obviously always been there with major fucking um, swathes within within how uh, women are treated and viewed and expected to be uh, in, in culture but seeing that happening within within um, male culture and obviously you know everybody with turkey teeth everybody with tans everybody with pecs and all that kind of thing it's really just the norm now eh? mm-hmm. I mean it's the norm You'd have, you've got to be really really odd not to not to go down that route mm. uh, it's some amount of pressure but he obviously it's understandable he yeah. was obviously suffering for the same for the same the same thing but if you 
his job, his life, his whole being has been about being fit. Fit. Mm-hmm. So you, that's it's the same, I suppose, for a face or for a dancer or something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it understands why you do a Madonna. Mm. It's understandable why somebody would, you know. Yeah, that's it's definitely one Or a fucking um, or a what's her name, Nicole Kidman. Oh. I mean, that's yeah. just becoming tragic now, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's something uncanny valley about her. Mm-hmm. Um, but other theories emerged that would add to the mystery and intrigue of his sudden withdrawal from the world. So this character is former assistant and masseuse, Mauro Oliveira. It's a kind of Brazilian name. Mm-hmm. He claimed that Richard was being held hostage by his housekeeper, oh. Teresa Reveles who was using black magic to control the vulnerable star. Teresa had been working for Richard for almost 30 years and according to Oliveira, she had begun to act as a gatekeeper at the Beverly Hills mansion, blocking access to anyone wishing to see Richard. In the investigative podcast, Missing Richard Simmons, he alleges that he was summoned to the home in May 2014, where he found Richard looking worryingly weak. Richard told him that they could not see each other anymore. Then, Ravellis appeared and, upon discovering him in the house, flew into a rage and screamed at him to get out. Oliveira asked Richard if she was controlling his life, to which Richard allegedly said yes, and then asked him to leave. And that was the last time they saw each other. So the, the creator of the podcast, Dan Tabersky, um, who was a former friend of Richard and used to go to his exercise classes, he spoke to several of Richard's friends, all of whom claimed that Ravellis wouldn't allow them to see or speak to Richard either. But what of the witchcraft allegation? Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a lot to back up this claim, other than Oliveira and Ravellis' cultural backgrounds of um, Brazilian and Mexican, which do acknowledge the tradition of brujeria, um, a Latin American religious and magical practice that can be used to heal and bring about good fortune as well as being associated with superstitious beliefs about curses and black magic so you'd hear about like the evil eye and yeah. stuff like that I mean even though I'm not Latin American but the, the, the Spanish influence on the native Latin American yeah. people um, there's a lot in, in Spanish culture about evil eye and have you seen stuff have you heard about the um is it santa muerte the the kind of big uh, i mean it's just essentially an invented saint right no there's there's historical um i don't know like things that people have tried to attach to it you know but you know it's just like it's essentially a a a modern invented saint you know how there are saints that didn't really exist and stuff so it's almost like a tulpa or a golem or something kind of it's a thing that happens in society it's obviously every now and again it seems where they create a figure of some kind of sort that's serve some kind of folk magic purpose right i mean it happens i suppose it's the green man and you yeah, know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's all that kind of a cult what would you call that's like a cultural golem eh? yeah uh it's a similar thing i mean if you ignore all the cultural jewish aspects of what a golem actually is but that idea an egregore that's the term within within, aye, within occultism so a kind of like a a thing that's formed out of group belief right yes and so essentially Santa Muerte is that. So oh. and I'm sure it's for this the, the kind of Brazilian uh, a Mexican um kind of 
uh, Latinx culture thing. It's beginning to pop up in all these different places. Fascinating. Have a look into it. I will do. I think I'm going to do a big deep dive in my brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but that but that that aside. It sounds like she was serving a really useful function for somebody that wanted to get the fuck out of there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I remember um, for, for a long time, people used to, when I stayed with my, a, a friend for a few years, and people would phone, and I would just say, tell them I'm in the bath, right? And, yeah. I, I, and I've mentioned this before, I was in the bath for those three years then, mm-hmm. and people started falling out with her. Aye, because right. I was shooting the messenger. Aye, and she was serving me a great, doing me a great, great service. You know what I mean? I really, really needed... I think it's when I was doing my PhD, right? Aye. So I needed... And I was... You're really, if you're doing it properly, you're digesting your fucking being and your brain, right? In order to examine these ideas. Some people do it in a different way and it's all just looking through archives, etc., etc., and it still takes its toll, right? Mm-hmm. But I was really... Because my thing was a psychoanalytic approach to the things I was looking at and dealing with. That's a lot of... Yeah. soul searching right and a lot of self-examination and a lot of research and all that you're really breaking down mm-hmm. and I had just come out of a big relationship so I really needed some fucking time you know Yeah. so she would act as the gatekeeper mm-hmm. you know and so I have got a feeling that's maybe what was happening here yeah, what do you was, think? Uh, well yeah it could be um, so is there any truth to this um, Simmons representative Tom Etsy says it's a load of crap. In an interview with People magazine, he praised Teresa as an extraordinary mm-hmm. person who mm-hmm. takes impeccable care of Richard mm-hmm. and that the star had simply made a choice to lead a more private life and deserved to be alone. Mm-hmm. The, um, left alone, sorry. The LAPD even performed a welfare check on Simmons. Well, that's good. I mean, that's always handy. Mm-hmm. In 2016, and found that he was not being held against his will and that aside from walking with a slight limp, the star appeared to be in good health, both physically and mentally. In April t- um, 2017, he broke a year-long internet silence with a Facebook post saying, I'm not missing, just a little under the weather. That's a great sentence. Mm-hmm. But the photo he uploaded with the message was taken in 2013, prompting further speculation that something sinister was afoot. And perhaps somebody else had written the post in an attempt to make it appear that all was well and to quash any further curiosity. So that's a bit conspiracy theory, isn't and folk it? And dying for that. Folk are dying for it. Folk sometimes don't want to accept the truth if the truth is not exciting or titillating and i mean i'm the same i will uh-huh. i'll believe it i won't believe but i'll entertain anything as long as it's interesting sometimes saying i've had enough i'm out of here mm-hmm. isn't enough for people eh? uh-huh. they want it to be and it's understood i mean there are all we're talk we're essentially trying to look into the shadow right yeah. so there are reasons why that decision's finally met and made mm-hmm. right it doesn't come out of the blue no but to, the, to other people it looks like it, it looks has. like it's come out of the blue and to people who can't relate with the need to completely withdraw i.e like Aye. extroverted people in that they think no there's got to be something going on because nobody would willingly do this I know. they must be being held against a will there must be something nefarious going on people even thought that he had died mm-hmm. and that it was being covered up for some reason why i don't know it's uh, weird no one is holding me in my house as a hostage i just sort of wanted to be a little bit of a loner for a while there was another theory and that was that the death of his beloved dog, Hattie, had driven Richard into a deep depression. So as we mentioned before, he had several Dalmatians that he doted upon, but Hattie was his absolute favourite. He treated her like a baby and their bond became even closer after each of his other dogs died. 
when she eventually passed away aged 17, which wow. is old for a dog. Um, that happened while he was recovering from his knee replacement surgery. And many sources speculate that the loss triggered a deep emotional crisis. She was essentially like his, I don't know, his companion, his, mm -hmm. his reason for living, his comfort when he was, you know, really ill. And, and to lose that, it must have just sent him into a tailspin. Yeah. So it is undoubtable that the loss of a beloved pet is devastating. But would it be enough to turn someone as outgoing as him into a total recluse? What do you think as a dog owner? Uh, period of mourning, etc. There's all that, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I've never heard of that before, right? Have you? I've heard, wait there, I mean I've definitely heard about, right, okay, so it's your beloved, right? Mm -hmm. So I've heard about it obviously in relation to a child, when people just go, no more, I'm out. Yeah, right? this has been too much. And it is a phenomenon, I googled the fucking hell out of it, I was looking at the ideas of heartbreak and, you know, the, the, the even biological as well as psych psychological um, explanations for it. Well, weren't you just saying earlier about, and we can cut this bit out if it's Aye. too personal, that your that your gran mm -hmm. withdrew from the world completely after her child yeah, died. Yeah, no, no, keep this in. That's that. It's true. You know, um, absolutely, that was it. And he, you know, he treated Hattie like to him, Hattie was his child. That's what I'm thinking. So I thought, well, maybe I've not heard of it in relation to a dog, but yeah, it's the, it's the history of fucking romantic um, literature. Mm -hmm. That that I mean, it's it's the the broken mad woman in the attic. It's you know what I mean. It's loss. It's that 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 loss. that loss. The 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 that's behind every banshee story, or you know, mm -hmm. it, there is a. I mean, I'm trying to think of it from a male perspective. Like, is there are there male figures that are obviously people are screaming yes, so and so, but you know that kind of withdrawal, mm -hmm. uh, due to absolute heartbreak within um. Um, with, with, with kind of um, male figures within culture and stuff I'm trying to think mm. is there just is there something really obvious that I can't think of just now I don't know um, get back to us folks if you can think of somebody who this applies to get in touch and, and let us know let me think I'm trying to think even within there, uh, there's a philosophic I mean I could go down that route there's the philosophical relationship to turning away from the world and within kind of mourning and melancholy and Freud, mm -hmm. right? And the, the tro uh, Hamlet, maybe, Hamlet, right? Yeah. But kind of, but you know, and all that kind of thing. There's that, there's that, hey, but it's always seen as, um, this. I remember speaking about, funnily enough, in my PhD, it's always seen that, that process of when it's within a female figure, mm -hmm. it's always seen as women's work, right? It's always seen as behind closed doors, blah, blah, blah. Men, are understood to perform it philosophically or kind of it's not seen as as personal grief well right? the, i guess the interesting thing with richard simmons is i would say that richard simmons is someone who is incredibly in touch with his anima mm -hmm. so you know the way that he was with his fans and stuff is very maternal yeah there's a lot of feminine energy with i'm not just saying that because he's I mean, I'm casting aspersions that he's gay, but I mm -hmm. think it's fair enough to do that. I'm not saying that because of that. I'm saying that because of the the traits that he exhibited um, as being so nurturing yeah. and stuff like that. That's, that's anima yeah. shit. We're talking classical, traditional understandings of these concepts in order to be able to speak, right? Which mm -hmm. we need to fucking do yeah. on a podcast and to communicate. And I totally understand what you mean. Do you know? Uh, yeah. But as that, so that association of the feminine 
with private mourning, yeah. right? And the ma- the 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 um, the masculine with with the kind of more exalted um, philosophical melancholia, right? Yeah. The melancholia of the the, the intellectualized, intellectual. I've uh-huh. sort of figured like Adorno, you know what yeah. I mean, or or, ben- or Benjamin, like folk that turned away, that were devastated by the world, you know, and and turned away from it out, out, mm. out of absolute um, heartbreak at what what was happening in the world and to them personally. Yeah. So I suppose that I there is a tradition. After years went by without a glimpse of Richard, the notoriously trustworthy National Enquirer published claims that the real reason the star had fallen off the radar was that he was undergoing gender reassignment and wished to live as a woman named Fiona. Just like Shrek's wife. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so I was I often think about what name you would change if you were going to change sex. Or reveal your reveal felt your true, se- true sex. sex. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd stick to this. Well, your name's um, our, non-binary our, anyway. Non-binary, yeah. I think I'd stick. And I always flip between Alec with a C and oh. Alex, and I never give a fuck. I have no, I don't know who, like when I write it, I just I just write whatever my hands do first. Mm-hmm. I've never been attached to, we've spoke about that before, but I've never been attached to it as a, even as a manifestation of my gender. Mm-hmm. You know, although when I used to write to Eve Sedgwick, Eve Kozofsky Sedgwick, the queer theorist, um, she, I think she she noticed it, and she was the first person to write to me as A L E C slash X. Uh, yeah. uh, and I thought, I bet she obviously she's more fucking experienced and and more uh, exposed to people that would maybe want to do that. Uh-huh. Uh, in her in her line of work, where I thought, ah, but actually, I'd quite like to take that. Could be quite nice to take up as a name. I'd happily take A L E C slash X. I'd be so How modern. How would one pronounce that though? I like. Alec. They would pronounce it as Alex. No, it would be Alex. The X would be the S. Alex. I feel like this is a decision you should have taken as a pretentious teenager instead uh, of as a pretentious man in gen- his prime. Gender didn't exist when I was a pretentious teenager. No, child. I know. It's only, it only existed for the last five years. Um, yeah, so the articles alleged that um, Simmons had received hormone treatment, breast implants, and was considering, as they put it, medical castration. So this was still... How long ago was this? Um, this was not that long ago. This was probably like um, 2014, oh, 15. God. But you know the National Enquirer is like not Aye. a woke publication. So the type of language that they're <coughs> using is the most clickbaity shit ever. They could come up with. Yeah. So they referred to him as the new Caitlyn Jenner and published old photos of Richard wearing a dress to back up their claims that he had been struggling with his gender identity for some time despite the fact that he had always enjoyed wearing flamboyant outfits. Richard responded by filing a libel lawsuit against the National Enquirer, calling their allegations cruel and malicious. Not that he had anything against the transgender community, on the contrary. Although he remained tight-lipped on the subject of his own sexuality, he was an outspoken supporter of LGBT people. In a Facebook post following the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, he wrote, Although I am not transitioning, I have had always wait sorry I ha- have and always will be supportive of those who are going through their journey. We should always be supportive. No, God, sorry, I've got a dog in front of me. We should not lose focus on showing love, strength, and compassion to all of the LGBT community during these tragic times. So he was an ally, if not an outwardly 
out mm-hmm. member of the community. But so the the, the 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 idea of having to come out as straight and you know having to come out as anything actually yeah. is just always problematic. You know to be shoved in a closet and dragged out mm-hmm. in order to sell papers. You know. Yeah, it's it's quite poor guy dehumanizing. So America Media, the company behind the National Enquirer, released a statement defending their right to report on Simmons, calling him a hypocrite for protesting the invasion of his privacy when his entire livelihood was based on the public consumption of his image. They questioned why, as an avid supporter of the LGBTQ community, he felt defamed by allegations that he himself was transgender. So it was like a kind of double bind. It's, it's always like, the well, same, you can't win. Aha, uh-huh. it's like, right, so if you're upset at us saying that you're transgender, well, if if you're such an ally of the community, why would that upset you? And it's like, well, is is the is being mis deliberately misgendered gendered and misunderstood and lies reported about me, is that not worth being upset about? It doesn't matter what the lie is. I know, it's a a really complicated area. I've thought about that. I thought there's the the problem of it making you look like you're phobic when you say, I'm not that, right? It's about you being entitled to have your own truth. I know, there's that. Then, but there, it's also based. It's based on so many complicated things. The idea that you'd therefore then have to prove that you're one sex, gender, or sexuality than the other, or that you are, you know, I just think it's it's like you immediately look it immediately looks suspicious. I yeah. don't know. It's it like should, oh, he does protest too much. You know, and then you look like a hater. Yeah. Okay. It's it's the the the, the strangest thing. Uh, but it's also based on the idea that to be us, I get what they're saying. The idea, and that's that'll be legal language. That's yeah. why I'm getting the idea. It's because like, he's suing them for defamation, so they're looking at the they're looking at the definition of, of what, defamation. Uh, so to be to be accused of something that was going to um, like uh, insulting or damaging, you, I or, would damage uh-huh. you personally, your career or mentally or something like that. So uh-huh. they're basing it on an idea within culture, which is that to be accused of these things is a terrible thing. Uh-huh. Can that I mean? Yeah. So it's like it shows it shows you it shows right where we are in culture right now about these mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. It shows that uh, there's still ideas of there being a true sex, gender, sexuality, either waiting to come out, wanting to come out, or that you've got to deny, or that can be a legally fought over matter. Uh-huh. It's it's so revealing, eh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yet um, again, um, um, what do you call it? Queer theory being a really complicated, having a really complicated relationship with uh, the, the forefront of changes in the law. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And um, yeah, so the, the statement from America Media concluded by claiming that the publications had received this information about his transition from a trusted source in Simmons' inner circle, no other than ex-masseuse mm. Mauro Oliveira, he of the Brazilian-Mexican black magic claims but he denied leaking this story to the press. But we do wonder whether, mm-hmm. you know, because he does seem to have a lot to say for someone who was just getting someone back rubs every now and again. Exactly, and it's, it, it sounds like if, if he was in the inner circle and making a good buck, uh-huh. right? I don't know, who, who knows, but it sounds like there's a, there's, there's a feeling of bitter grapes. Yeah, eh? sour, Is it bitter grapes? Grapes? Sour, sour grapes. Sour grapes. Well, interestingly... 
Although he denied leaking this story to the press, Simmons' legal team denounced Oliveira as a stalker. So they were saying that he's someone who had stalked Richard Simmons for years and attempted to blackmail him and extort money out of him with the intention of destroying his career and reputation. Oh, oh. So maybe there's more to this fella. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially, and now it's making me look at that, mind that, that um, incident with, um, what was her name, um, Simmons's maid. Oh, Teresa. And uh, her trying to get him out. Trying to get him out, yeah, because if he's someone who's been stalking him and harassing him for ages. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking that they were maybe partners or something? Well, there might be some gay shit on the go because, I mean, not to cast aspersions or make assumptions, but he's a Brazilian masseuse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like saying someone's a fan dancer. Right. Is it? See, I don't know. Maybe I should get a fucking Brazilian masseuse. Brazilian masseuse. Right. I'm saying now that he's he's gay. Is it like um, a friend of Dorothy? Is is Mm -hmm. is it one of those? Uh Yeah, that's the new Polari. Um, so I reckon that he's maybe given Richard massages with happy endings. And then, you know, Richard was paying very handsomely for the for his mm-hmm. services. But then maybe they had a falling out or something and Richard was like, I don't want you to rub my body anymore. No, and then so he went, my body. Well, fuck you then. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell everyone that you're a trans. <laughs> a trans. A trans. A uh-huh. um, You know, there's more... Ha- I'm such an innocent, right, dear dear listeners. There's more happy endings in massaging than I realised. It's more common than one thinks. Really? Because I've never fucking gotten one. Well, I, I mean, I've never either. But see, when it was something I saw, it was either online or see the the language around it online. Then I noticed when I noticed about massaging something to do with massage. I don't know. It was maybe when I was looking for. Actually, I could be doing me a fucking massage. I was maybe looking it up, or it was maybe when I was looking up acupuncture or acupressure or something. I wouldn't want right? anyone to be puncturing my genitals. No, but, I w- but it did appear that maybe I was looking in the wrong or the right place. But um, I think it's common. I think it's more common in some cultures that part of the relaxation. Ah, oh, was it total relaxation? I noticed was. Total relaxation a, is that the euphemism for? It was maybe some. Really? There was some. There was a phrase that was repeating, right? Uh-huh. And I was beginning to go. This is a bit Polari kind of fucking yeah. fan dance um, sounding. And I, the, pe- the penny dropped, and I'm usually aware of all pennies dropping. Uh-huh. But I was just like, filth! Yeah, filth alert. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm reporting this to <laughs> Facebook <laughs> admins. But I was beginning to notice that there is a new a new term. All of you dirty bastards out there that, that get that get poked and, and yanked often will be thinking we're cuckoo. But there is. They'll all know what uh-huh. it is, these filthy... Filthy listeners. Ask Kate and Dee. They okay? <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I'm, yeah, okay. Well, oh, well, I'm on the lookout now for a total relaxation. But I think, it, I think in certain cultures, that's it, I now sound like the 40 fucking six year old white eh, <laughs> Scottish guy that I am, right? But I think it's much more common to, as, as um, an orgasmic relief as part of the massage to be, um, you know, part, part of the deal. Well, it's like what you're talking about before, like talking about cliches. Well, cliches usually have at least a grain of truth to them. Because mm-hmm. essentially, it's one off for a fucking, it's one off for a colonic. You're just yeah. really, you're just really playing with another, uh, another organ in order to bring about total relaxation. 
Yeah, yeah. There's Good. no, there's no use having, you know, serenity and relaxation in all of your body muscles, but then Apart you've got a really, fanny. you've got a really tense fanny already. <laughs> Because that's where all the stress of the body will end up if mm-hmm. it's not released. Mm-hmm. You'll get a cummy ache. Yeah, you'll get a cummy ache. Oh, <laughs> cummy aches. Yeah, so we reckon that this, this Oliveira guy was a fan dancer. <laughs> He'd been given Richard Simmons some total relaxation. Something went down, the fell out, and then he was just like, I'm going to sugar. Tell everyone you're white and you're really chopped up. Um... So, yeah, so Simmons' legal team was de- denouncing Oliveira, um, saying that he was just talking absolute shit. Um, however, the outcome of the lawsuit was a devastating disappointment for Richard. He lost. Did and, he? aha, uh-huh, and he was ordered to pay the defendant's attorney fees of $130,000. So, not only is that a bit of a financial hit, although I'm sure he very well off Aye. considering he's sweating to the oldies I mean that's nothing dollars but it's the it must have just been a total blow to think well no people can invade my privacy people can make up lies and publish them about me and you know I put myself through the ringer yeah but it's all that to, maybe on legal points alone rather than truth right yeah. um it's it's that that whole thing where I mean even what was going on between the Johnny Depp and what's her name? Oh, Amber Heard. Aye. It was like, well, he never got away with not hitting her because he had and it had been re- registered and recorded and you know what I mean? That was all. It was the fact that it was defamatory or it was this or it was that. Oh, like damaging to the career Aye. or something. Or it was, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like that this would have been a legal point. See all that crap about him having to prove that it was going to be damaging to his career or that it was a bad thing to be now, so therefore... It yeah, could have... that's how they got him. So and it's it, not aye, about whether it's true it's right or, or wrong. Or whether it's right or wrong. It's about yeah, it's the, the, law the definition of a, of a Of a paragraph in a law book where you can you can get away with it because you've not proved X or... or you can't prove X or Y, you, you know. can't prove so it because was the, the burden prove... of proof mm-hmm. is on the accuser there you go. to prove and the thing as well is that obviously American media they own so many of the, the kind of gossip publications that are sold worldwide mm-hmm. so they would have had the best Aye. attorneys because think how many times the inquirer would have been sued because they Aye. print lies on a weekly basis I know so this, I'm, I'm going to look into this again and I'm going to look I remember I really ignored all the Amber Heard stuff and all that so did I I just Until, couldn't well it. I couldn't either and I, I don't like either of them right I yeah. just, people or, or anything but just as an indication at the very very end I remember watching people actually talking about the thing that we're kind of referring to right the specifics of the law uh-huh. and about trying to prove this or that and what that means and how this wasn't really the wonderful he's not guilty success story as it looks it's right? just that they've not proved a certain a thing certain whatever thing. it may be and apparently it's harder to do in certain countries to prove it one way or another to be the defender or the you know because mm-hmm. he had been pro- hadn't he held up in british the british court the, yeah. in the in the he hadn't he, an inverted commas one in britain uh-huh. so they took it there uh-huh. you know so there's all that kind of thing i think it's really difficult to prove that you've not done something uh, when the thing that you're claiming not done the thing that you're being defamed I think it's, it's something to there's one way coming at it that makes it much more difficult than another Yeah. so I think this is this isn't a bad outcome only having to pay 130000 that's nothing 
Kim, yeah. I mean, that's like a pyrrhic victory for the other guy. Uh, although, I'm amazed he never came back and tried to sue him. I know. You know, because that's usually what happens. Um, but Richard continued to be plagued by the media, who refused to allow him the peace and privacy he so obviously craved. In 2018, he sued a private investigator who had been hired by celebrity gossip magazine In Touch Weekly to keep tabs on the star. He discovered that the PI had fitted a tracking device on his car in the violation of Californian law. It seemed as though the world couldn't accept that maybe he wanted to retire after a long, successful, yet exhausting career, as is expected of people approaching their 70s. There had to be some dark secret to uncover and various media outlets were vying to be the ones to finally reveal the truth. Yeah, so the team behind the Missing Richard Simmons podcast that I mentioned earlier, they even travelled to Richard's hometown in Nyarlins, Nyarlins, can't if I can say it, and they tracked down his older brother Lenny to try and gain some insight into who Richard really was the man behind the public persona because there's got to be some deep dark secret hasn't there there's got to be something unsavory um so maybe it's the the thing that's the the dark unsavory thing and it's all a little bit of pain and trauma yeah and really what could be more human and normal and mundane than Mm -hmm. just pain and trauma um so they they were harassing his brother to try and gain insight into what could have motivated Richard to retreat from the public eye in such a drastic seeming way. The podcast was a smash hit, topping the iTunes charts in the UK, US, Australia and Canada. I listened to it Mm -hmm. as it was coming out and it is very well done. It's gripping um, but it has been criticised as being quite morally suspect and invasive in its approaches because again it's doing that very um, violating thing of invading someone's privacy and casting aspersions and speculating on their private life, their motivations for doing things. It's You can just stamp on allegedly, I suppose, after most things, eh? Uh-huh. Or in my opinion. Uh-huh. Or some may say, or mm-hmm. sources reveal, and stuff like that. So yeah, I can understand why it came under fire. Um, did they come up finally with a, what they thought their theory was? Yes, but I'm not going to reveal oh. that because I really actually do recommend that if anyone's listened to this and thinking, this is quite juicy, I'm quite intrigued by this, um, I would definitely recommend listening to Missing Richard Simmons' podcast. It's very, very entertaining mm-hmm. um, and quite well done. Also, TMZ released a primetime documentary special last year titled What Really Happened to Richard Simmons? And I was able to watch the whole thing on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I think if you're somebody who's maybe not overly familiar with who Richard Simmons is and was, um, it provides a really good overview of you know, him from childhood, his rise to fame, everything like that. And then it goes into all these different theories as well. So it's about an hour long and it's definitely worth worth a watch. So yeah. I just I just um think that uh when people just apart like disappear, right? Um first of all I was thinking who who in this country Mm. would be somebody 
like that. You know what I mean? That 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 was that was a big deal, and then or even like literally a big uh, exercise. Rosemary Conley. Um, Is she like, still what alive? I think so. I mean, she she's been looking like she was animated for a good. She looked dissipated. And that those what are they called again? Your try something. Your trap, trap, trapezoid muscles. Aye, I mean hers go from ear to to shoulder. Oh God. She's she's she, but I think she's still. Aye, she must please let her be alive. There's a, she's got a good heart. She looks like an old kind of like spiritualist from Sterling Spiritualist Church. Do you not think? <laughs> she's always got. I mean, unless it was just the. She's always got a lovely aura. But she, she does I, have a lovely aura. I think it's because there was probably Vaseline on the lens. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be surprised, but there's nobody. Mr. Motivator. It would be like if he went, if he disappeared. But then would, would anybody you know care? This? Because he does still do his, um, he does the music festivals every summer. Uh-huh. But he's obviously served, so I'm trying to think of his function in American culture, but why folk are still that interested. Who would be like that for us? If Scylla, Scylla Black or something. She's dead. Aye, but if she <laughs> disappeared before she died, if she just yeah. kind of went, bye. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Not surprise, surprise. Hide, hide. Um, I can't think of you know, the British equivalent. If somebody, Bab Swinser, if she, I know she's, she's dead. I know, but I'm, I can I know they're all dead. They're all dead. But I'm just talking about somebody with a big personality that all of a sudden disappeared from British culture. And why, Lorraine Kelly. If she disappeared, would folk be interested? No. Would people be interested? If, she, if Lorraine Kelly disappeared really suddenly and said she just she had had a sore knee, I said so. She had a sore knee, and that was her. Um, yeah. Maybe for, see, it's just because I'm not interested. I despise no, her. No, I mean I, I have no opinion on Lorraine <gasps> Kelly. I'll have two. I'll have your opinion and mine, which You're is double hate. Nah. Okay. That she does a thing. Um, I can't watch her, but she does a thing. Well, I don't watch the fucking telly, but she used to say we like that. Well, that's great. We like that, like as if she was speaking, like as a as a group of informed well, kind of like gays. On behalf of every simple-minded middle-aged um, woman and gay guy. I know she's looked, and I just I don't. She's she's not chic. Anyway, <laughs> allowing the airing of the documentary, um, the the this documentary, what really happened to Richard Simmons, Richard resurfaced on social media, thanking his fans for their kindness and the love he received. Uh, in various messages. His representative released a statement confirming that Richard was doing well and he appreciated the outpouring of support. To this day, Richard has maintained a low profile and we can only hope that he is healthy and happy and living on his own terms. Right now, I just want to sort of, you know, just take care of me. Not to worry, Richard's fine. You haven't seen the last of me. I'll come back and I'll come back strong. Maybe somebody that's just so absolutely made everything in their life so public mm-hmm. and then when they finally just go, I'm out of here, mm-hmm. then you would go, what, what, what? Yeah, you can you understand know. You can understand the curiosity and the concern, I think, the concern, the genuine concern that, that his fans and that his clients had because it wasn't just like a client-trainer relationship. He actually really cared about them. That was somebody mm-hmm. they could depend on for a weekly dose of empathy, motivation. You grow to depend on people like that, and mm-hmm. I can. It would be a huge shock to the system. I suppose it? you've lost your saint and your guru, and people lost a friend. So I suppose uh-huh. they were kind of going, 
what happened that we were talking last week and everything was fine. Yeah. You know? And another interesting thing is that he, um, and I guess this probably plays into why people thought there might be something weird or sinister going on, is that he didn't go to certain funerals. So some, yeah. some of his friends had passed away um, and he didn't go to the funeral. Um, and so then people were like, well, there must be something seriously, seriously wrong. Yeah. And it's and it's like, right, okay, you are in your 70s or whatever. Uh, people aren't expecting you to be a beauty. You are allowed to age. It's also, not like, he was never known for being a no. beauty. So it's not... So, but he, so he was known to be healthy, but people know that that changes. And it's not like people are going to go, oh, look, he failed. He's not lived forever and he's not, you know, uh-huh. cured how to get by a broken knee but just by doing a fucking lunge or a, a what do I call it some kind of fucking a roly-poly, roly-poly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know so it's not it's not like a failure so yeah. it must so that's when the brain goes well maybe it must be psychological then you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um and and does it leave you wondering? But guess what? You're allowed to wonder. You're allowed to wonder. And you're allowed not to be you're, for your wondering not to be um, answered. Satisfied. Good. Exactly like we said. The nature of life is that it's unsatisfactory. <laughs> That's lovely. So we're all the way back to Duca and Samsara now. Okay, but um, ma- I-, I could imagine, and there can be moments in your life, like we said, where you just dis- and if you've got that, I've said it before when we spoke about Witsy's chops, um. Tina Turner, do, 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 do. Um, Phil Spector. When we spoke about Phil Spector. I do understand when people have got a lot of money how they just go, drawbridge up. Because mm-hmm. you can afford to. Can, and, and it's, well, as we said even then, to the amount of very, very rich people that we've never heard of and never ever see that do do that mm-hmm. is enormous. Yeah. You know what I mean? We see the tip of the iceberg out in the world. The tip of the penis. Yeah, not the fucking, the full schlong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not the base of the shaft. But I'm going to have to Google some of his outfits then because oh, they sound wonderful. Oh, you are going to be gooped and gagged. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Oh, my God. He is just... That can be your Halloween costume for this year. Oh, Sitting on my own eating fucking... Sitting on your own with your hot pants and your teased Jufro. <laughs> um, doing star jumps in the living room oh, with Fonzie. There would be a there would be a, a, a disaster. Luckily, nobody stays underneath me. It would be okay. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. So you can... Bump and jump about to your heart's content. But we will finally, I will finally now that I've got some energy now that I don't, I'm not getting worked into the ground, uh, be back very, very soon. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and our little nugget that we that, that we released before this. Um, and we'll be back to do somebody that we've promised for a, a, a long while. And, uh, no, you will, nay. I bet I will, nay. Because I've got a fucking mental... Not. I'll maybe not. I'll maybe just uh, Sister Wendy that I've been fucking threatening for ages no I'm going to finish this cunt because I've got about 500 more words to write and a little bit of editing and he's done okay right promise I'm on tender hooks <laughs> you're sick of it am I not pretty, pretty enough, enough? Is, is my, my heart, heart too broken? broken do I cry too much aye <laughs> right, until such times, um, we hate, hate you. you. Bye bye, bye bye. Now you're never gonna get it. Never ever gonna get it. No, you're never gonna get it. Never ever gonna get it. No, you're never gonna get it.